Welcome to Open Source Sustainability. I'm Alex Lassiter, CEO of Green Places. On this show, I talk with sustainability leaders to learn how companies are adapting their business models to be in line with sustainability goals. We believe sustainability has to be open source to be successful, and these leaders have offered us a glimpse inside their strategies in the hopes that we can all move forward together. We're fascinated by some of the unique challenges these sustainability leaders face and are excited to dive deeper. In this episode, I'm talking with Beth Whitehouse, Senior Director of Strategic Planning at Ogilvy, a 2,000-acre resort and public park located in Wheeling, West Virginia, known for its golf courses, gardens, and recreational activities. But it's not all leisure at Ogilvy. With a robust forestry management plan and their solar for sustainable energy and waste reduction programs, they're working hard to take care of both the Ogilvy campus and community. I'm excited to dive deeper into these initiatives today. All right. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Very, very excited to to have you. I guess just to, to start off with, give us a little bit of background about yourself as Senior Director of Strategic Planning. How does the sustainability and climate change, the environment fit into your everyday role at Ogle Bay? It's certainly, uh, it's interesting. So certainly now it does. I have been with Ogilvy about 33 years. And so I actually did my internship in college here. And um, I worked in the hotel and I have been really in hotel operations the majority of my career. It was only about a year ago that I talked to our president and CEO about maybe some next steps. And he actually developed this uh, position of, of strategic planning in the hopes that we could find a way to move some initiatives forward. And so for him, he's from Seattle, right? And so his West Coast side was very passionate about sustainability. And and this was very important to him and knew that it was very important to Ogilvy. Um, so now it is infused in so much of what we do. And in my day-to-day life, uh, we actually just recreated many, many years ago, we had a green team, I think probably before green teams were cool. And, um, and I was a part of that many, many years ago. And then it kind of went away, right? So you, you have that one passionate person in your organization that drives it. And if that person leaves, then you sometimes are left with a hole. And that was the case with us. And so I have uh, reignited the environmental stewardship team, that's what we call it now, it's very fancy. And it's something that we try now to infuse in everything that we do because we have four pillars of sustainability, which really impact every aspect of our business. And maybe for the the listeners that that aren't as familiar with Ogle Bay, maybe, maybe take a step back and paint a picture of what is Ogle Bay, the property, the guest experience, so we can, I think, start to get an understanding of it's a pretty complex organization. And when you think sustainability, it's it's a probably it's a lot more nuanced than I think folks probably think. So maybe tell us a little bit about what it is and and then we can start to understand more about what are the what does sustainability look like in, in hospitality and, and and more about what you're facing. Absolutely. Um, you know, we are a an over 2,000 acre resort located in Wheeling, West Virginia. We have three golf courses. We have a zoo on our property. We have seven retail shops. We have eight food and beverage outlets. We have 
10 tennis courts um, that also include pickleball. We have an Olympic size outdoor pool that also has the children's splash pad. We have 250 hotel rooms as well as 53 cottages. Um, and those cottages are anywhere from two, four, six, and eight bedrooms. So truly what we are is a family resort. We have something for all ages. We have a beautiful spa. So it's not unusual for dad to go golfing, mom to go to the spa and the kids to go out and play in the park. And whether that's at the lake with the pedal boating, whether that's at the mini golf course, whether that's at the par three golf course, or again at the pool. Um, and so it's a great place. We're located just one hour from Pittsburgh, two hours from Columbus, Ohio. So we're kind of the perfect meet destination for families and family reunions. Um, and again, the benefit is, is that we have something for everyone. I mean, it sounds like it. Uh, as we were talking before the uh, the interview started, I've got three, three young oh, sons yes. and for us to get anywhere um, to even just get a, a, a minor break um, it's hard because we've got we've got a two-year-old who can't swim. We've got a five-year-old who thinks he can swim. We have a six-year-old who kind of can, but <laughs> that's about the extent of it. But then you've got golf, you've got spa, you want to be able to relax. Um, but when you start to look at it, this from a sustainability perspective, there's a lot there. You've got you've got the obviously the the utilities and the hotels and heating and air and water, but you've also got these other facilities that make this a challenge. And as I understand it, sustainability was kind of always maybe a part of the founding story at Olga Bay. So maybe tell us a little bit about how how did this begin and what is the general philosophy? I know you mentioned pillars. So tell us about what sustainability and hospitality means at a place like Ogle Bay. Sure. So for us, I agree with you. We um, essentially, it's always been a part of who we are. Colonel Earl Ogilvy, and there really was a Colonel Earl Ogilvy. This was actually his summer home um, wow. back in the early 1900s. And he originally um, worked at Ogilvy Norton, um, which had to do with steel and mining and all of that good stuff. And he actually was good friends with Jay Rockefeller. Um, and so they were on the national scene back back then in the 1900s. And so when he retired, he came back here. And at that point, it was called Waddington Farms. And so okay. it was a farm. It was 75 acres at the time. It grew and he grew it to 750 acres when he left the gift. And when we refer to the gift, the gift was this, that he left his summer estate home to the city of Wheeling for the purpose of recreation and education. So long as we use it for that purpose, that's what he intend, intended the gift to be used for. And so it was given to the city, which is very unique in that we are a self-sustaining and we are the only self-sustaining park of its kind in the entire country. Wow. Everything that we make goes back into the park. There's no profit in terms of a profit center to give to an owner or anything like that everything we make goes back into the park. And what Colonel Ogilvy was doing back then was really interesting. He essentially was researching soil conservation and crop rotation. And he was very big in finding, he was very concerned with the growth in population that there wouldn't be enough food. And so how we grew food was really important to him. 
equally, there was also a point at which they felt like there wouldn't be enough trees to harvest at some point. He planted 327,000 saplings, which are now our forest today. Wow. And so it it has always been at the root of who we are. Um, And so when when we look at it, we look at it as um, part of the legacy, right? Um, That our job is we've been here for almost 100 years. Our job is to make sure we leave it better than we found it. And the only way to do that is to make sure that we're sustaining everything that we have in, in an environmentally friendly way. Um, and, and so whether that's through our forestry management program, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, uh, or, or making sure that, that our emissions are as low as they can be. We know we're in an industry um, that is notoriously high um, in emissions because it's a, considered a luxury industry. Um, but there are things that we can do and things that that we have been doing for years, we've just never talked about. Um, and and I think that that's, that's equally as important. We're starting to really realize that your generation mm-hmm. uh, is really taking note, which is so awesome, so awesome that, that you're doing that. And you are making purchasing decisions based on these sustainability achievements that people are making. And, and we've, finally noted that and said, wow, that's that's important that we begin telling our story. We're really great at doing things. We're not as great at telling our story, not only to our guests or future guests, but to our team. We weren't telling our team what we were doing, so they weren't yelling about it from the rooftops either. What's cool about that is, is the beginning of being able to explain, you know, the story and, and where you have been and where you're going is to me, it's this opportunity to engage with people on a level that maybe you hadn't yet. And whenever I think about summer camps or family vacations or resorts, all that type of stuff, one of the most enjoyable things that I have is to learn about the space that you're in and get that connection back with how did it get started? What are they doing? Why did they make these decisions? And it feels like particularly with that founding story, you've got such an opportunity to educate your your guests and help them understand where this came from and where it started. So do you do things? Have you noticed any opportunities to both to, to educate, but also have you have you noticed responses back from guests who said, wow, I, I had no idea about all of this. Like, let me learn more about how this forest was started and, you know, all these different programs that you have. So we do. One of the most uh, interesting things, not most, but one of the interesting things that we do is that we have a Segway tour that is a historical Hmm. tour. So we give the historical tour while on a Segway, right? So it engages um, some youth as well as some some older adults. Uh, But we take them by the mansion. We show them where Colonel Ogilvy's wife used to serve cookies um, on, on the actual mansion patio and, and tell the stories of, of the Ogilvy's and, and what their mission was when they came here and making sure that we follow that same mission. Mrs. Ogilvy was extraordinarily passionate about greenhouses. And at one point she wanted to have palm trees 
here in West Virginia, not an easy thing. So Colonel Ogilvy actually built her a greenhouse and it's, it's like um, the Phipps Conservatory greenhouse. It's that of that era. So it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and they were very p- passionate about agriculture and finding different ways to grow alfalfa and different things like that. So we tell that story within the walls of each of those buildings, kind of as you pass through. And then a big part of who we are um, has to do with our donors, right? And so we have what's called the Ogilvy Foundation. So while we are self-sustaining, we could not do what we do without the Ogilvy Foundation. We supply and can provide about 90% of our operating budget, but they supply the other 10%. And it's through generous donations, people that have come here that have had unforgettable memories, and they've brought their families here for many generations, and they've become invested. And so they will make donations. Um, They will include us in their will. They will take a, maybe a 401k and name us as the beneficiaries. Wow. Um, and so it's over all of these years, I believe it was established in 1996, and it's over all of these years that we've been so blessed. You'll notice when coming to Ogilvy that a lot of things are named. So in, in our case, we, we've got things like the Bissonette Gardens for Mr. Bissonette, who made a generous donation. Wilson Lodge, which is the hotel. The Bird Wing of Wilson Lodge. The West Spa, which is actually the the West, our family name, um, and, and we've had people that have have come to us as an example that have said, you know, we have um, five point five million dollars that we would like to give Ogilvy, and we'd like you to do this with it. And we've said, okay, sounds great. <laughs> and so we have to weave that into the fiber of, of who and what we are so that we don't ever forget who and what we are, that we are here. We run our hotel, our food and beverage, our golf, there's revenue generating centers as a way to pay for the people's park, for the, for the city park that we provide to our community. Um, and so that's what allows us to be able to do what we do. So I, I'm from North Carolina and I grew up going to, you know, another industrialist large vacation home in the Biltmore estate yes. in, in Asheville. And, um, and I, it sounds like there was a similar s- story in that this, this, you know, this man was, was looking for a return to nature to some extent and looking for a way to disconnect and re-engage with, you know, the natural surroundings and obviously invested a ton of his own personal money and time and effort into making that available for people. But what's cool about this foundation is you're giving other people who may not be quite at the that level to be able to make that donation as well, to be able to invest into the environment and again, a return to nature so that families like mine can get away from the city and remember, you know, what it's like to, to reconnect with, um, you know, the natural surroundings. Um, it's a really cool way to engage. I think that was never so true as, as with, um, with COVID, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, what we saw with COVID, um, and we were very fortunate. We were in a state that stayed open and we were surrounded by two states, Ohio and Pennsylvania that were completely shut down. So, 
But what we saw were families coming to the park, taking their shoes off and putting their feet in the grass and feeling that infusion of peace um, and just enjoying the walking trails. It was as simple as a walking trail. It was as simple as a hiking trail, but a way for them to spend time as a family unit in a safe way. Um, and we were able to provide that and we felt very fortunate to be able to provide that. That's amazing. So this, this has really been at the root for who y'all have been for, for a long time, but you do have some really interesting programs going on. I know you've touched on some of these, but tell us a little bit, a little bit more about the forestry management project that y'all have going on. So that was so exciting. Um, one of the things, you know, as, as we look at our two over 2000 acres, um, we, we certainly had, and it was a little over a thousand, 1036 acres that were unmanned for lack of a better word, they were left to grow. But in that you have just a ton of invasive species, right? I mean, and that happens, that's very natural, it happens. Um, but it begins to really affect the health of the forest. Um, and so we were approached by EQT, which is a gas and oil company, and asked if we wanted to create a partnership. And that partnership is, is that we would give them those thousand acres. And by give them, we would allot those acres to them in terms of the projects. Certainly, we still own them. Um, and in return, they would create an entire forestry management program at no cost to the Wheeling Park Commission um, that would outline the invasive species removal, um, the afforestation and reforestation of planting new trees that were native to the area when the area warranted it. And then they would also, and they've included now, and, and actually we're firing it up for the first time tomorrow, uh, two biochar machines that wow. would allow us to take that forest litter and then turn it into biochar, obviously sequestering for over a thousand years, and then yeah. using that fertilizer in our gardens um, again. So creating that full circle loop, which is super cool. And we are then able, and they've given them to us. And so we will use it in all of our horticulture needs as well. So anything that we can biochar, we will be biocharring. Um, and so we're super excited about that part of the project. The second part of the project um, are that they uh, are also providing terolytic probes. And these terolytic probes, for those who don't know what that is, essentially 50, 75 years ago, um, farmers would have to go and take some soil and get a soil sample and run it off to wherever they farmers run it off to. And now you're able to take these terolytic probes, stick it in the ground and get instant information about the health of the soil. And so the cool part about that is not only can we see what our soil is doing, but we're partnering with Wheeling Country Day School, which is a local school in our area, an elementary school in our area, where the kids, they actually have two probes outside their classroom it's on a dashboard. And so if you pour water next to the probe, you'll be able to see the soil health come up. If, you know, if there's if it's a great sunny day, they're able to see certain things happen. So what we have done is we have asked that all of our probes be put on their dashboard so they can see in their park 
what is happening in terms of when we remove invasive species, when we replant native trees, what happens to the soil with everything that, that is going on to be able to tell the story. I love that so much. Environmental remediation, I think, is is something that obviously there's a strong desire for, but the actions don't always follow. And one of the reasons, I think, in some cases is you don't have the feedback loop. If right. you do something, it's hard to tell that it worked. And something will creep into your head saying, did, did this actually do what I was hoping it to, or is this not a good use of my time? And so what I love about this, and it, it seems like this is a big part of your ethos, there's the education component, but then there's the measurement component. And biochar is a very cutting edge technology. And being able to be at the forefront of this and being able to provide your guests and all the different communities that you touch access to learn and engaging with the schools, this is really, this is really, really cool stuff. It is really in Wheeling, West Virginia. I mean, yeah, thought, but and we are so excited to really be, um, and and our our goal is really to be an example, right? Um, we, Colonel Ogilvy, this farm was um, a model farm. It was an example farm, and and so that's what we are. And that element, as you said, of education that we try and infuse into everything. Another really great project that we're working on right now is um, an aquaponics hydroponics facility, essentially. So we got one point five million dollars from an EDA grant to put in an aquaponics facility. We're teetering on aquaponics and hydroponics, vertical growing. But the, the great part is, is we want to introduce growing back into our community, just like Earl Ogilvy did, right? And so we will infuse that educational piece on how that's done and that it goes back to our history. And so this will allow us to essentially begin to replace some of the, the produce that we currently purchase right? We'll start to re replace that with what we're growing here locally. We're also applying for a grant that could possibly, it's a $10 million grant that would allow us to create a food center where we would do all vertical growing here through and with Cogen as an option there. And then everything is completely automated in terms of, of how it's fed, how it's watered, everything, so that it's the most efficient way to do it. But there again, making sure that we're not having those transport hours um, of getting food to our facility. One of the things that we'll feature with that are strawberries. And so why strawberries? You know, that seems kind of crazy. Well, first of all, most people like strawberries and I believe it's the child, it's children's number one fruit, right? So that's it's, it's my children's number one fruit. Of that's course. for sure. Uh, so, but where do strawberries come from? Generally, they come from the West Coast. 90% of our strawberries are, are raised on the West Coast. They're actually picked prior to being ripe. Hmm. They're painted the color red. They're spray painted mm. so that in their travels, it will have time to ripen by the time it gets to us. So imagine all of the transportation hours from a West Coast strawberry to get to us on the East Coast, what that means. And so that's one of the other reasons why we've chosen strawberries. Um, and, and my hope is that we'll have strawberry margaritas and strawberry ice cream and raspberry vinegar, strawberry vinaigrette dressing. And the, well, there'll be a strawberry on everything so that we can be known for these strawberries. 
You should. And what's cool about that is it, again, it's, this is just so much part of who y'all have always been, you know, with Colonel Ogilvy creating something that was the, one of the first things I heard from you was self-sufficient. Yeah. Something that can return back to this place where we can survive on our own. We've got the resources that we need. We're not, you know, inherently dependent on, on different things. And we're really like, we're not just like using what we have. We're enjoying what we have. It's, it's, it's taking, taking pride in what you do and creating something that has, uh, obviously, obviously a high element of, of, uh, of quality, but you also have this great feeling of where it comes from. I mean, that this is really, this is really remarkable. And I know you're doing some solar panel work as well. You're working on moving away from, uh, fossil fuel based energy to talk to us a little bit about what you're doing on the renewable energy side of things. Yeah. So renewable energy, um, is, is a little bit new and it's a little bit new in the state of West Virginia, to be very honest with you. Um, you know, Many years ago, it was really it was felt like we were not in a great place within the United States to use renewable energy, and that has certainly changed. Um, we we equally were approached by a company called IMC Solar, and this okay. company um, really is a deve- solar development company. So what does that mean? And and you know we have to always be mindful of our nonprofit status, right? So we we when we, we have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that every dollar is, is spent wisely, as do most companies. But we, we certainly feel that because we have an obligation to our guests and to our city. But so what they have done, which is amazing, is they, they've approached us. We have outlined about 16 solar projects, and that is everything from placing um, the panels on the roof, as you would normally see, to um, actual parking uh, areas, covered parking areas with solar panels that also include EV charging stations. And so what they do is they actually go out and they find funders who pay for the entire project. If we were to do all 16 projects, it would be about $3.2 million. Wow. And so they have companies that, that would like to receive the renewable energy credits, right? And so in some cases, there's tax credits. Because we're tax exempt, we can't receive any of those credits. So this allows them to receive those credits and us to reap the benefits. They then come in, put everything in, and they are responsible. Let's use the parking uh, covered parking areas. They are responsible for that for 20 years. So if uh, somebody hits a golf ball and it breaks a panel, they're responsible for replacing that and making sure. So essentially we we enter into a power purchase agreement where we purchase the solar at a lower rate, right? And so it's at a lower rate than we're currently paying for electricity. And we have an agreement that that rate will increase at at 2% each year, right? And so it will go like this, whereas our current electric is going to go like this. And so it will raise at a much lower rate than the current electric rates are raising. And again, that's a 20-year agreement uh, with them that will allow us to enter into that renewable energy um, environment. And much like the forestry management, that's actually a 10-year agreement. Um, And then they turn a clean forest over to us. If at that point we are in the uh, either renewable energy or um, getting into the credit business, 
we can then either look up one, monetize it, or two, use those credits. But right now we're in the sustainability business. We want to make sure that we're telling the greatest sustainability story so that we can move our parks forward. What I, what I love about this is y'all have done such a great job about using the economics of sustainability and regulation to the advantage of creating and allowing your resort to really do some things that most businesses can't fathom doing. And it, it, it obviously, this speaks obviously very highly of you and your ability to navigate both the planet concerns, but also the realities of funding projects. And I, I just, I'm just really excited just to hear how you've been able to navigate all of these things to get so much more. And it's obviously just at the beginning. I mean, this is truly, I, I, I think y'all definitely are a leader in this space. But what's so interesting about this is these are things that other people can do. They need the know-how. They need to understand how you do these things, but you've done such a great job about engaging with businesses and engaging with grants and engaging with developers and saying, this is what we want. Here's a way for you to be able to get what you need so that we can continue to push these programs forward. And that is very, very unique and really, really cool. I'm, I'm, uh, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And it's something that I think that we're, we're very passionate about in terms of from every size, even from a, from a donor perspective, um, we added 26 water bottle filling stations throughout the, the park and the resort. And some have a little doggy bowl at the bottom and some don't, but, but some do. And, you know, we have uh, donors that have said, I'd like to just buy one. You know, we'll pay for one. Great. That's fantastic. And, and so we, we allow that to happen and, and they can put a little placard on it that says, um, in memory of Sadie, which was their dog, you know, they, they were just yeah. so excited to be able to honor Sadie in some way. It can be as simple as if someone passes and you'd like to send something in their name by making a donation to America Future Trees, which allows us then to plant trees in the future. I mean, we were hit very hard with the uh, Ashbourne illness in the trees and had to do tons of removal. But so that reforestation is really important and being able to use those donations in that way was, was a fantastic opportunity as well. What a great way to encourage your guests, obviously to understand and educate, but also guests and alumni and supporters to be able to help support you. Is there something that you wish that guests coming to Ogilvy you wish they knew about sustainability here, something that maybe they don't know that, that you wish that they did. That's a great question. Sustainability that they don't know that we wish that they did. Um, you know, I think that a, a huge uh, part of our sustainability efforts also come um, within our zoo. And we, we do so much down there. Our Dr. Joe Grade house is phenomenal and is an absolute steward of sustainability. Everything from taking all of the cardboard that we use and make, and we convert that over in shredding it, convert it over into bedding for the animals. It's an easy way for us to be able to take care of the bedding, making sure that the seafood that we feed the animals is sustainable seafood, making sure uh, we just added composting um, down at the zoo specifically. 
And so that is something that is extremely important. We're the only accredited zoo in the state of West Virginia. And that accreditation comes with a very high standards. But Joe never seems, never fails to to essentially incorporate sustainability into that entire operation from top to bottom. Whether it's you simply walk into the offices and they're the lights that come on, you know what I mean? Only when being used. And it's as simple as that um, to the complexity of essentially taking care of an endangered species. We just had two babies little babies born. Um, they were red wolves and, and they are an endangered species. And so we have two new baby cubs and he works with an entire endangered species program to make sure that we're doing our part within that program. And it's super exciting. That is amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's very clear that this is not only something that has been a part of the story since the beginning, but it's something that you're obviously building on to the point that you're looking at vertical farming, you've got biochar removal, you've got all kinds of stuff. It is just such an amazing story. And I'm so glad to get the opportunity to talk with you about this. I've sure sure learned a ton here. Uh, and I know that, that many of the folks that are listening, particularly in the hospitality and resort space and folks looking for places like this, I think would really benefit from learning. And, and I appreciate you sharing so much today. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you to Beth for joining us and thank you for listening. If you like this show, please be sure to leave us a review and follow this podcast wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. This podcast is powered by Green Places. If you're looking to reduce your company's environmental impact and reach your sustainability goals, visit greenplaces.com to learn more. I'm Alex Lasseter and I'll talk with you next time on Open Source Sustainability.